Hi, I'm Brad Rex, the former vice president for Disney's Epcot theme park, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge podcast. Hi there, I'm Lee Cockrell. I'm the former executive vice president of Walt Disney World, and Mickey Mouse was my boss. And you're listening to the Coaster Challenge podcast. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Coaster Challenge Podcast is here. It's time to face your fears. Get that theme park therapy and lend us both your Coaster ears. Challenge Podcast is here. Your fear can disappear. We know that theme park therapy can drive all your tears. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? We accept because you know we're not average. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. A journey where people become fearful to fearless, all from riding roller coasters. So please, secure your hats and glasses, and keep your hands and arms inside the podcast. It's time to accept the coaster challenge with your hosts, Kim Dykes. Hello, listeners. This is Kim line producer of the coaster challenge podcast and i'm looking forward to hearing the story of an exciting new guest this evening tonight i'm talking with elizabeth ringus a 16-year member and current president of american coaster enthusiast a 100 percent volunteer club with a mission of preserving and riding roller coasters she resides in richmond virginia and enjoys riding coasters with her whole family including her husband and three children they enjoy making a family affair out of their long-standing tradition of visiting one new amusement park together each year. Thank you for joining me, and welcome to the podcast, Elizabeth. Thank you, Kim. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Well, I'm so glad we've finally been able to connect. I know we've been playing Instagram and email tagged for a while, and I'm so excited that the day's finally arrived. I've become somewhat affiliated with you through Instagram and email, like I said just a second ago. And what I've learned about you so far has me very excited to hear more. With that being said, will you please share a few things about yourself as it relates to life, amusement parks, and your love of coasters? I'm happy to. I mean, coasters make such an impact in my life. It's what has really tied my family together through the teen years. They even when we were going separate ways and my kids were finding who they were, it was always a conversation that we could have around the dinner table and still have a passion and love it in all different ways. That's what's really been fun for me to watch happen in my home is that we all love coasters, but we love them in different ways and different levels and different things about it. And it kept the conversation going, but also it's where I get to be me that I'm not mom. I'm not, I'm just out having fun and riding the coasters I love to ride and making my own friends and setting example for my kids, for them to have friends as adults. Because as an adult, sometimes it's really hard to make friends and having like-minded people who treasure getting out and doing things and exploring and traveling has just been really a healthy place for me to be. So much of what you said really hit home with me. I have a 14-year-old and a 17-year-old, so I, I totally get it. You know, during the teen years, they're 
They're figuring out who they are. You know, one wants to go one way one day, go another way another day. But the thing <laughs> that ties my children and I together the most coasters, we can always sit down, <laughs> if nothing else, and have a talk about coasters. And what you said that really hit me the most about being able to have your own adult friends. It took me a really long time to figure out that I'm better in every aspect of my life, personally, professionally, all the way around. When I take that time for myself, that's not totally encompassed in my children. Exactly. And honestly, as they grow, they appreciate the time when I'm not hovering, you know, right there. If, you know, because reality is they're working towards becoming independent adults. Exactly. I have to let that happen and be looking at what's my life going to be after they're no longer under the same roof. So taking care of me has also helped me take better care of them in that regard. And it's a win-win for everybody involved. Thank you so much for highlighting that. <laughs> Absolutely. It's something that I've always been really passionate about that. I wanted my kids to see me being me and who I mm -hmm. was so that they would remember, hopefully as they, got older and had their own families to always be them and not get lost in their family and careers and all the other things to remember what really fulfills them. And um, coasters have been something that's really fulfilled me that I just truly couldn't feel better than when I was visiting parks. Absolutely. And that's just something that's never really been brought up on this podcast. And now that you said it, I feel like it just needs to be talked about a lot more. Because it's something I've said individually to people here and there that seem to schedule their entire life and schedule their child's entire life also. You know, there can be zero downtime. Eventually that catches up with you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and once that time has passed, it can hit pretty hard if you don't know the what comes next in the scenario of life for sure. So the first part of our interview is going to be what we refer to as the fear journey or the theme park time traveler. We're going to take a walk back through time through your history of going to amusement parks, riding coasters. And then the second part of the interview is going to focus more on the Elizabeth Ringus here and now, the year 2023, and things that you're looking forward to in the future. So with that being said, we are going to go ahead and get started with our very first question that we like to ask all of our guests as we begin the fear journey. Our very first question we like to ask is, what is the very first coaster you remember riding? The Scooby-Doo coaster at Carowinds was my first first coaster and boy do I remember riding it because I would go and I would one more time one more time one more time all day long at the park I would just oh, wow. go around 
and around and around and ride it. And I, you know, going to Carowinds, still I look back and that was just really one of the highlights of my childhood was my annual visit to Carowinds. And my parents weren't big amusement park goers. It's not their thing, still isn't their thing. And so we went one time a year and I would pack in every minute and every possible ride I could get on that one visit because I knew I wasn't coming back for a year and I had to get my years fixed. I just didn't know at that time it was my fix. <laughs> now, my upbringing was very similar to yours. My family went to Kings Island once a year. But my reaction to coasters wasn't quite the same as yours. First of all, I wasn't allowed to ride very much because they were, quote unquote, scary. I was the youngest in the family, so I pretty much was only allowed to do what I was told I was allowed to do. And I think that that instilled fear in me because even when I started riding them, I remember when I was younger, it's like I kind of wanted to ride it again, but I didn't have that enthusiasm of one more time, one more time, one more time. And for many years, I guess this the being told over and over again that they were scary. I, I would ride with my eyes closed. I don't remember when. I finally started opening my eyes and I realized everything I've been missing. Right. But, and that's it. When I was at Carowinds, I was missing a lot because I did have a lot of fear. And even though I was riding Scooby-Doo over and over, I couldn't crack my fear. And to this day, I regret, I never rode white lightning. Mm. It sat there and I was afraid to go upside down. And uh -huh. so I wouldn't ride anything else. I was literally just riding Scooby-Doo and Thunder Road, which Oh, that's my heart. It's Thunder Road. But I never read the, anything that had an inversion. I was too afraid. And I missed out on White Lightning. But I finally overcame it one year. I was 13. And I, my parents still joke that they thought I was joking. And I said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to ride the Carolina Cyclone this year. Mm. Maybe I was 14. The funny is that I had a cast on. All those years I could have ridden it. The one year I'd broken my arm, I decided to ride the coaster. But I did. I hopped on Carolina Cyclone and my dad rode with me because he was afraid for me to ride alone. And I had so much fun. And But that was when I was really hooked. That I'm like, okay, I like that. And it's I really got into riding, though, after uh, my husband and I got married. We I really hadn't been to anything other than Carowinds and Disney um, before that. So I really hit it hard once we got married and I hit adulthood. It was an arrow looper for me too, that really got me <laughs> interested in wanting to ride more coasters, Vortex at Kings Island. Very similar coaster. Yep. And um, what that was back in 1994. I rode that for the first time. The only other looping one I'd been on was King Cobra. And, oh. but Vortex just looks so much more mm -hmm. intimidating. I avoided it for years, but after I did it, it was a stepping stone. I mean, I was still many years away from becoming a full-blown enthusiast, but it definitely was an, a, a hurdle for me to cross. And once I crossed it, I did have a very strong interest in doing more. So that, that was a, definitely a big deal to me at the time. So you're talking about fear. 
Out of all the coasters you've ridden, what was the scariest one? Sorry. Um, for me, the scariest coaster was Millennium Force at Cedar Point. You have to leave. Sorry, I'm going to get the dog out. You're fine. No, good. She left. <laughs> She'd been so quiet. All right. So my scariest coaster, the one that I almost bailed on was Millennium Force. When I got up there in that station and saw those Millennium Flower trains, I had never seen anything like that. They were so open and exposed. I, I always liked that. The Carolina Cyclone, the Vacoma trains where you sat way down in, I felt like I was really secure, but that really open coaster train just really scared me. And I did almost bail um, until my husband looked at me. He went, you just waited in line how long and you're going to walk off? And I'm like, no, I'm going. I got to do this. And that once I overcame that, um, I always have had a fear of heights that I continue to work on today um, that when I'm tired, it really kicks in or mm -hmm. um, I can really tell it accelerates as the day goes on and I get tired. But I definitely have a fear of heights that when I'm well rested, I can overcome. Well, I overcame it that day because I thought, whew, I've never seen anything like this. And that just opened up such a world of coasters. But I am really grateful that my husband encouraged me and reminded me how long I had been in line for. I totally get the security thing. I used to want to ride as stable as possible for many, many years. And it wasn't until I really got to experience airtime for the first time, should I say that I allowed myself to experience it, that I realized the therapeutic value of coasters. And yeah, it, it definitely takes some getting used to that openness with just a lap bar. But now that I've gotten used to that, those old over the shoulders. <laughs> I have a hard time tolerating that, especially if I'm only five foot three. If it wants to beat my head around or whatever, uh, the older I get, the less tolerant I am of that. <laughs> it really changes the experience, doesn't it? And it is. It you can see so much. But I used to also really um, treasure always having the side of the train with the stairs. Because mm -hmm. it, again, it gave me some security that there was more there than just the sky <laughs> now i'm more the one it's 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 so funny because i i literally used to be the one that wanted that extra click how many more clicks can you get it down and now oh my goodness on our trip to bush gardens tampa in the back over spring break the ride operators became so well affiliated with me they would take their hand and just do a light tap on it till it went green and then let it go for me. Like <laughs> That's how I like to ride now. And I'm like, how in the world <laughs> this ever became a thing? I, I don't know. For me, though, all of that airtime and stuff, it's like the beach for other people. Right. It just, it just pulls all the stress away. I love it. We all have to have our happy place that we go to fulfill ourselves and rejuvenate. Mm -hmm. And yep. I, yes, reju rejuvenation is key. I'm entering my 25th year of teaching next year. And I love my job. I do. 
I absolutely love my job, but to be at my personal best and keep myself fresh and not, you know, teacher tired, burning out. And I have to do what it takes to keep myself rejuvenated. And that's mainly what I spend my summers doing. So when I go back in the fall, I'm ready to go. That is wonderful. It is, it's self-care. And it's something yes. that has really changed in a world of focusing on that. We learned that we really can be a better person and bring better things to the world when we take care of ourselves first. Totally. So going back to that very first scary ride on Millennium Force, do you remember how you were feeling when you approached the station? Oh, absolutely. I mean, blood pumping. I could feel that fear literally pumping through my body. And I remember thinking, my feet are not going to move. They are going to stop and I'm going to stand mm -hmm. right here. <laughs> and I'm going to embarrass myself in front of this entire station of people. And then the embarrassment, the fear of embarrassment kicked in. That I'm going to yes. be embarrassed when I have to walk away because I chickened out. And I'm like, I can't be the chicken. And so there's all this going through my head and convincing myself and reminding myself that it is safe. And that's what really I hang on to is the self-talk when fear sets in working through it with self-talk and reminding myself that this is a safe way to do something that's really scary and in some ways that's what i love most about coasters is it gives me a way to give do something scary but I, in my head logic reminds me this is a hundred percent safe that i can get out there and just have fun and experience this you know amazing engineering is what i always think of it's art that we get to ride. Yes. That takes me back to the first time I rode Vortex. Something you said. I was part of a big group. It was our senior trip in high school. And I was really the only one that wasn't wanting to ride. And, oh, my goodness. Going through that line, my palms were sweaty. I felt like I could have drank an entire lake of water. I had caught in mouse the bad. I was so thirsty. There wasn't anything going to quench my thirst. I could hardly breathe. And, um, but yet, like you said, the embarrassment. Mm -hmm. I wanted to get out of that line so bad. I, I just wanted to, I don't know, go hide in the bathroom, whatever it took, just to get out of the situation. But I didn't. I, I did it. And, and it was... I After I did it, I wasn't scared of the inversions anymore. And, you know, you're talking about that work of art. Vortex was just such a photogenic, beautiful coaster to sit back and look at and take pictures of. And it's funny that you use that word because Voyage at Holiday World, that's another coaster that it's now my number two coaster out of what's soon to be over 400. I used to be able to ride it only once, maybe twice in a day. I felt beat up and I was done. And it was last year, and this is exactly the words I used, that I finally mastered the art of riding voyage. Different coasters. I mean, the coaster is art. Learning how to ride some coasters <laughs> is an art form in and of itself. And I call it dancing with voyage. After I learned to dance with Voyage, 
I can ride over and over again. And it's, it's a beautiful experience. But there is, there is a technique of what works for our body and how it can be most comfortable. You're right. Yep. It took me a while to figure that out. But once I figured it out, there's no turning back. I love that thing. You're in. All in. Yes. So how did you feel the first time that you got off of Millennium Force? Sheer exhilaration. I knew I had found my favorite coaster. And it's funny. Every time I go back to Cedar Point to this day, I always wonder, will that still be my favorite steel coaster? You know, was it the food I had had or the people I was with? Or was it that I was at Coaster Mania? You know, what was that factor that really made that one of my favorites consistently every time I went to Cedar Point? And even last year when I went to Coaster Con at Cedar Point, rode it, I'm like, yep. Still my number one steel coaster. It just holds a special place in my heart. And whether it's remembering when I ride those feelings the first time and the exhilaration that I really conquered something. I conquered a fear and I went for it and I got to enjoy an amazing coaster ride. It's still my favorite. <laughs> and, you know, that's always such an interesting topic when I talk with different people about what makes them truly love a coaster. For me, it is just I filter in just the ride experience, period. The ride, the thrill level, the adrenaline, the airtime. That's me. Other people, theming plays a big part. For me, theming's just the icing on the cake, but theming can't make a ride better or worse, in my humble opinion. Other people, it's nostalgia. You know, their favorite coasters always going to be their favorite coasters because of the memories tied to it and no matter how tall or fast the newest and baddest coasters are nothing's going to take place take the place of that number one and you know to each their own as long as it makes you happy keep on doing it that's it and it's part of being me right yes. it's that embracing what makes a coaster special for you the experience and what makes it a coaster experience absolutely would you say when you got off of Millennium Force that first time that it impacted your life in any way, or did you see impacts that happened later on? I think it definitely was one of those moments where I remembered that I conquered my fear and that I came out a better person for it. It was definitely a stepping stone in that really tackling the fear of heights and knowing I could do this and be safe. I think that was the stepping stone to me then venturing out and um, not sitting on the side with the stairs sometimes. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I know through seeing your various posts on social media that you love to get out and travel as much as you possibly can. Now, through our travels as enthusiasts, there are always those random crazy moments that just, you know... <laughs> happen when you least expect it sometimes they leave us laughing sometimes they leave us in complete shock but one thing i can say is those those are moments that we never forget out of all the moments you've had on a coaster or in a theme park what would you say is your most bizarre craziest moment ever so it's mine 
to me, it's bizarre and crazy because it was so out of the box for me, but it's really very mainstream in the world. My craziest was when I um, helped with media day for Griffin. Um, Bush Gardens Williamsburg was opening Griffin. Their plan hadn't gone the way they expected. They were had a dive live camera on the coaster mounted that day. I had actually never been to a media day. I didn't really understand the concept of even what was happening that day. But they had asked me if I would do interviews, just walking around on the ground. I was the regional rep for ACE at that time. And I had never been on TV. I'd never done an interview. I'd really, honestly, I was up until that was part of the progression, but I was actually a super shy person, um, probably verging on dysfunctionally shy, that I wouldn't have a conversation. I would never have done this. Um, I just, I'm not only an introvert, but I was very, very shy introvert. And so I wasn't very social. I wasn't very skilled at being social. I didn't have, I wasn't a good conversationalist. So when they told me that I was gonna do the camera, I'm like, I have never even done a live interview. I've never done a recorded interview. I don't know what I'm doing. They're like, just get on there and have fun. It'll be okay. I'm like, that was not reassuring. But I'm committed and anything I can do to support the park, which is my mission at ACE, I'm going to make this happen. So throw me on there. I rode a practice run. It was still dark out. It was insane. That camera's in my face. I did not know what was going on. And I come back in. They're like, you're going to have to stop screaming so much. <laughs> I was just, I never ridden a dive coaster. I mean, this was just all so bizarre and crazy for me. I was like, I'm just a stay at home mom. I did have my own business, but I viewed myself as just a stay at home mom. Mm -hmm. And I thought, who wants to watch me ride? Why am I doing this? What the heck? And, but I was like, if they, if it helps the park, I'm all in. Okay, let's do this. And so I rode throughout the day and I did these interviews. But what was really cool about that is that I relaxed and I wasn't shy. I learned that while I couldn't do public speaking because I was so shy or really even have a conversation, I wasn't looking at anybody. There was just a camera and I could pretend like there wasn't anybody there. I just rode and had fun. And so it really, that was a big moment for me because it helped me move through my shyness. And it just, it really put me on a path of learning a skill that I didn't know I had of talking about coasters. And, you know, so it brings us to today that I still am talking about my love of coasters and like the mission of y'all's podcast, it lets me remind people to be healthy, get out and have fun and spread what I really love. Because all this is important for me. I was actually a therapist um, early in my career. Um, and I feel like it's kind of, I'm still getting to spread that happiness of therapy, talking about coasters and that really scary day and the craziness of being thrown into live interviews all day, set it all in motion. What a fantastic story. And I'll tell you, one of the reasons I joined this podcast was to overcome my lifelong fear of public speaking. I was picked on and made fun of a lot in school. And, you know, when you stand up in front of the class and you're laughed at so many times, you become introverted very much. And it's like I... I kind of wanted to talk to people 
but I never really knew what to say. And then I got to the point where I really didn't want to talk to people. And um, my son, the thing that kind of led us into the community originally was attending Coaster Kids meetups. He insisted that I take him to this meetup and I was a thousand percent convinced he was confused that we could not go meet up with strangers in amusement parks. <laughs> so it was the most bizarre thing I'd ever heard of in my entire life. And when we first started going, I literally made it a goal to be invisible. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Fewer people, the better. Go have fun. <laughs> you know, that's. Yeah, I get that. I was. And um, getting into the community slowly but surely, starting to talk to one adult, two adults at a time. I'm like, Shit, that was actually fun. Maybe I should try more. And when I joined this podcast, oh my goodness, I mean, just getting used to hearing the sound of my own voice in a room. Uh, <laughs> A lot of getting used to then listening to my own interviews and editing. That was a whole other level of fear facing in and of itself <laughs> at first. But I, I finally realized, and it's just one of those impacts that, you know, the coasters and the community have had that I didn't realize it happened until it had happened. I was asked to present at a staff meeting a few months ago at school. Presenting in front of adults has always been my biggest nightmare. Just, I, I can talk in front of kids all day as a teacher. Put me in front of adults. <laughs> nah, that's another story. And I didn't realize until I got up there in a room of over 50 people that all the fear was gone. It, it, it was just gone. I was able to keep everybody's attention. I was able to laugh, be myself, let my personality show, be funny. I had great engagement from everyone. And I'm like, lo and behold, there's another benefit of coasters right there. So I, I totally get what you're saying with the whole introvert. And I still do. I'm one of those, I guess you call it more like the extrovert or introvert. I love being around people. But then after my, as, as my daughter says, after my social battery's drained, mm -hmm. then I need my me time as well. Exactly. So I totally yep. relate. That's how I roll that, you know, I love a day in the park with all my friends, but I will. I'll have to curl up with a book or some downtime binging, watching some TV to make sure I'm taking care of myself. And that's something I think about on coaster weekends too, particularly going to multiple events, something like CoasterCon or IAPA Expo that'll be coming up. I have to refuel myself and be really conscious to refuel every night or I quickly burn out and just, and then I'm not enjoying it. I'm not pleasant to be around and I'm not enjoying myself. There's no win for anybody. If I don't take care of myself, but exactly what you're saying, you have to refuel when you're an introvert. Yes, always. So you mentioned earlier that Millennium Force is your favorite coaster. And you mentioned the nostalgia. Are there other things about the coaster that you love as well? That view has me. I mean, I'm a beach girl too. In addition to loving coasters, I love the beach, whether it's lakes or rivers, 
ocean. I love that. And so that view just really takes me to that heart of loving a water view. And so that one really stands out for me. And um, yeah, and throw it a tunnel. You you get my heart with a tunnel. My other favorite coaster. So Millennium Force is my favorite steel, my favorite wood. And really, honestly, my number one coaster I even takes over Millennium Force is the Beast. And again, oh, wow. we've got a good solid tunnel. <laughs> so Beast is your absolute favorite coaster. It is. Beast is by far number one. If I had to pick one coaster to ride the rest of my life, you could just plot me on the Beast and I'd be good. So what is it that you love about Beast? It's the going out and so far out into the park, particularly night. It's dark. There's just nothing around. And particularly a front, I'm a backseat rider, but I love that front seat sometimes, particularly at night, because there's just nothing. It's me and the coaster. And I'm just taking in all the rattles, all the airtime moments, all the G's. I just get to take it all in. And that's one thing that stands out for me because the beast just has the whole package. Everything is happening on that coaster. Now, I actually live closer to Kentucky Kingdom. I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, but Kings Island is the park I consider my home park just because <laughs> that was the place I went to yearly growing up. And it's the place we visit more as guests. And the work that they did on Beast with the retrack. I was going to ask you, have you experienced it with that retrack? I have, I got to ride it and I was, I was, I was a little fearful. I can't lie. I would it still make my favorite. I'm like, all it did was enhance it. It's even yeah. better. And I'm so excited that they just worked on Grizzly. That's now in my home park, Kings mm -hmm. Dominion. And now we've got that smooth, incredible ride that we still get to enjoy wood and wood is preserved and wood is still around, but it's, it's not so hard on my body because Grizzly and Beast had gotten quite hard on my body. Yes. Um, and now, truly just get to enjoy grizzly just like the beast well i'm gonna tell you beast had gotten to the point a few years ago where i would only ride it if somebody else insisted on riding it it left a bruise on my uh ribs one time and grizzly i'm actually looking forward to revisiting king's dominion later this month I rode that coaster one time and I said never again. It felt like it was on square wheels. I absolutely <laughs> hated it. I absolutely hated that coaster. And when I saw that Gravity Group is working their magic, <laughs> Grizzly, I'm like, hallelujah. Another coaster that has an opportunity for redemption. So I'm, I'm actually excited to go ride it after experiencing the track work they did on Beast. And I told you earlier, you know, my love of Voyage and the continued track work that Gravity Group does on Voyage. I mean, everything they touch within recent years has just been solid gold. I love it. So I, I can't wait to have good things to say about Grizzly <laughs> to hopefully want to ride it more than one time this trip. Absolutely. It's a very welcome improvement. And the response from park goers has been incredible to watch that everyone's so excited at the difference. I've read lots of good reviews about it. 
So that's, I'm getting ready to take a trip that I'm actually leaving tomorrow. My first coaster trip of the summer, I'll be home for a week after I get back from that trip. And then I'm going to be down there. We're going to do Carowinds, Bush Gardens, Williamsburg and King's Dominion. I'll get to ride dark coaster too. Nice. Our annual fury marathon. That's why we go back to, we go back to Carowinds one day a year and just ride fury as many times as we can. And, um, I'm super excited to get to do that. That's exciting. Be sure to drop me a message when you're at Kings to me and I'd love to meet up. I will. Absolutely. So one of the things we talked about in our virtual communication was that you as an enthusiast, don't just like riding coasters and going to the parks during peak season. You also enjoy doing things in the parks during the off season, will you please highlight for our audience some of the things that you enjoy doing in the parks during that off season? Definitely off season for me has become a whole new tradition that I'm getting to get out and experience the park in a different way because not everything's open. The park's different, but whether it's the holidays with fall and winter, but now in the Mid-Atlantic, we've got January and February, not just the Bush Gardens, Williamsburg, but we also have Kings Dominion that's open year-round now. And so I just feel like a kid in a candy store that I can go up anytime I want to, catch a ride, eat some food. And they're bringing in so many festivals that it's every time I go, it's a different experience because a different festival is going on. And so, yes, I'm experiencing the park in a different way, but in a way I love that because it could get old going to the same park all the time. You know, it's expensive to travel all the time. So you got to embrace your home park as much as you can. And getting out for Kings Dominion, they did a wonderful um, wine festival featuring local Virginia wine. So I love seeing them engage with regional tourism and support all our local businesses. Now, following that, they had a craft beer and they're bringing in different foods to complement it. They brought in some food trucks that were showing some local foods off. I just really have enjoyed watching how they're definitely being a partner for local other local businesses. And it gets sometimes I get exposed to something that I wouldn't have stopped by that restaurant or gone to that winery. And I get to experience something new. And it's right there in my home park. Thank you for sharing that, because, you know, that's really not stuff that I would have thought about had we not had this conversation. I mean, I go to the typical Winterfest at Kings Island. We did take a little road trip this year and we went to Winterfest down at Carowinds. We stopped by Busch Gardens Williamsburg for a little bit and went to Kings Dominion on that trip as well. But just hearing all of these different things, because like, my off season's my off season, and that's not the easiest of <laughs> times to what? occupy myself during. That's when I really started getting hardcore into fitness and stuff because that off season used to be my downfall. That would be when I would want to sit down and, you know, just mindlessly eat and that sort of thing. <laughs> and when I saw those old habits creeping back in, like, nope, you've got to nip this in the bud now. But I mean, to be able to go and visit those parks and see them through such a different lens. 
with all of the different activities going on, geez, I would encourage as many people as possible to go check that out. Exactly. That's it. And it's just a chance to get out of your house. And what I enjoy is your visits can be shorter, particularly if it's your home park. Yeah, it might be cold. Bundle up, go out for an hour or two, but just get out, get some vitamin D, some fresh air and get out into the park. And it gets me out of my house in the cold days of winter because I really want to experience the festival. And I can totally agree with that. I'm one of these people. I'm cold natured anyway. I mean, everybody else can be hot and I'm still freezing. I will put on three and four layers and really just, I can't say that I'm actually excited to go visit the park when it's 30 degrees outside. But then once I'm there, I forget that it's 30 degrees outside. Exactly. It takes us out of our everyday life and where we are. And we're almost transported to just forget and just have fun. Be It's really, we're being a kid. Totally. So in addition to adjoining parks during the off season, you also shared with me that you also like attending events that don't necessarily include rides. Tell me about some of the non-riding events you've attended that have been a great experience. East Coaster that's put on by American Coaster Enthusiasts is always one of my favorite highlights of the year. I remember going with my husband before we had kids and then we had very small children and we plowed out to Pennsylvania, sat there all day. You would think we were a lunatic. We sat there with an infant on our lap all day because we wanted to be there so bad. And But to this day now, I've been back with my son a few times and I always enjoy the day. And when people ask me, how do you sit there and listen to speakers all day long? I think it's because I'm getting fueled. It's my people. I'm getting to share in a hobby and getting to reconnect with people when it's been the holidays, we've all been very busy or it's cold and we've all been inside. We're getting to look forward to what the summer's going to bring, but also we're just getting to be social and connect on all the levels yeah. of our hobby. And, you know, that's a springboard listening to those speakers for so many other conversations at those events. And if you're anything like me, every time I think I've met as many people as I'm going to meet, oh, no, there's going to be somebody else. And events like that are perfect, you know, for making those connections and finding those common bonds. And like you said, I mean, for me, having those conversations, having those talks with people during my off season, it keeps my mind fresh and motivated. It's kind of like the carrot dangling. Okay. I have this many more weeks of work. Then I get to go do this, you know, and it, it keeps me excited. It keeps me energetic, not feelings, you know, drained and tired and burnt out, which can kick in during those long stretches during the school year. And even doing this podcast, if I've had a hard day at work, once I sit down and talk about coasters with somebody, it goes away. I feel great. Absolutely. I say that any day I get to talk coasters is a great day because I just feel alive. I feel excited and it fueled my hobby. Mm -hmm. 
even if I'm not talking with people, I'll send face, we'll send Facebook messages, whatever we can, you know, just a little something here and there. It keeps the blood pumping and my soul alive. <laughs> That's it. So now I want to talk about your role in ACE. Talk with me about American Coaster Enthusiasts. What's the mission of the group? What types of events do you all have? And how does someone go about becoming a member if they don't know how? Okay, so American Coaster Enthusiasts, or ACE, has two missions. First of all, to ensure the preservation of roller coasters. We want to ensure they keep rolling, that generations in the future all get to live, relive that same memory, share it. The one that your grandparents rode, you get to go back and ride it with your grandkids. And every generation gets to keep making memories. But it's also to promote the enjoyment of roller coasters, bringing our members together so that we're all having fun and facilitating us having those like-minded conversations, bringing us together to have fun. And our events are all across the board. And that's what I have enjoyed most about ACE is the variety. Because, yes, we have events and a huge variety, but publications, the opportunity to chat about, I say, I call it Q-Line conversation. We can have Q-Line, that fun coaster Q-Line conversation anytime in our Discord channel. So we're not just coming together in parks for events, but we're offer that opportunity to come together anytime on Discord, our publications, chatting on our social media, and having fun, just making sure we're all still having fun. But our events are, um, CoasterCon is our big one. We tend to have two or three national big events a year, and CoasterCon's our largest, it's our national convention, and during it, we'll spend a week in parks but we also do our business then of we have our annual business meeting, our executive committee has a meeting and we try to bring our volunteers together. And one thing we've integrated into those larger events is something that we've been doing on a smaller scale regionally, our informal meetups. So many of us love roller coasters, but we love something within roller coasters. Maybe it's photography or maybe it's, videography and making videos or YouTube or social media. There's so many niches to what we love within the coaster community that we're trying to bring those small groups together in an informal meetups. So during our national events now, we have a schedule of our regions gathering for a ride together or for our, um, we have a women's ride and we have a pride ride. And all these smaller niches, we bring families together at a certain time to meet up and all ride together, teens, tweens, young adults. And But we're not just meeting for rides. Some of those informal meetups are that the young adults are meeting for drinks somewhere and to sit and socialize and get to know each other. Our volunteers, many of our committee chairs are getting their committees together to eat a meal together during CoasterCon or one of our other national events so that they can build a camaraderie and build a friendships within that small group. 
So it's become about facilitating these small group experiences. And we have them throughout the year in different regions. We have these informal meetups, no registration, show up. Um, we hosted one in Mid-Atlantic for the wine festival that Bush Gardens was doing. We had a women's meetup to sit, enjoy wine and hang out and just chat. And then we have regional events and our regional events are everything from one day with meals and ERT and behind the scenes experiences to off season like East Coaster, No Coaster, um, Jeepers It's Winter in the Mid-Atlantic where we do just have speakers all day with no writing so that we are just making sure that we're facilitating for every style of writer to have fun. So that's, we're really just about making sure everybody has the opportunity to have fun and get to know other people. Now, if you aren't a member and you want to learn more, you can go to ridewithace.com backslash join and learn about joining ACE and all the different opportunities. There's two different types of membership. One, you get a subscription to Roller Coaster Magazine, which is our premier quarterly magazine that we publish or one that doesn't. And so you experience all the same benefits except for the subscription. Well, thank you for sharing all that information. It sounds like there is definitely something for everyone. And if you feel like you don't have a place and you're out of the box, ACE is the place for you. Absolutely. Now, what specifically does your role as president entail? So as president, my responsibility is to look out for all of our members. Honestly, our members are all my people now. And I make sure our leadership has the support they need. So my fellow executive committee members, um, ACE is a democracy. We have four elected officials like myself that uh, every two years we have an election and any member of, in good standing can run for the office. And then our the remainder of our executive committee is made up of directors who are appointed by the president. And so that's one of my responsibilities is to appoint those directors. And they are ultimately responsible for a niche of ACE. So we have a history and preservation director that's responsible for ensuring that our history of coasters is promoted and that we're finding out what preservation efforts we need to help with. We have an um, operations director. So all of our web and IT and email and all of those pieces are run through our operations director. So we divide ACE up. And so everyone's tackling a piece and I'm there to support them. Thank you. Now you talked about some of the key roles in helping the ACE organization to run smoothly. What volunteer opportunities are available in the or ACE organization outside of those roles? It's incredible. We have over 200 volunteers on our organization chart and it's always expanding because as we bring on new volunteers, there's always fresh ideas of how to expand an initiative or an idea that and grow on it and make it even more. So the volunteer opportunities just keep growing. So we're similar to honestly a company that you would go in and work for. So we have like I said, we have operations. So if someone has web experience or they want to work with Google Analytics, we have all of those operations pieces. Or if they enjoy writing, we have all of our publications. We have proofreading. 
We have people who build databases. So we also look at, just like in the organization offering something for everyone, we do that within volunteering too, because maybe you don't wanna have a committee meeting and brainstorm. You wanna work behind the scenes on the website, or you wanna build databases and do research throughout the night when you are up and do it on your own. So if you don't wanna have that huge social interaction with your group, you, there's lots of volunteer opportunities to do things on your own. Um, so it, it's amazing all the pieces I watch us come together. We have a photography, we have an archives, we have the um, probably largest collection of roller coaster photos um, that exist. And so we have a team that works behind the scenes with those. So every small niche of loving coasters, we have a volunteer opportunity. So, so much diversity, not just in the membership and the activities that you all have for people from all walks of life, but volunteer opportunities galore for any and all talents that you may have. So anyone that's listening later on in the interview, we'll talk about different ways that you all can contact Elizabeth and contact ACE. Please reach out because I'm sure that they would love to have you be a part of it. Now you said that you have been a volunteer for ACE for the past 16 years. Yeah. What have you found to be the most rewarding thing about your experience during that time? For me, the most rewarding has been watching the difference I got to make in even just one of our members' lives. That they found something uplifting or they made a friend at an event or they found their love of coasters that maybe they came with a family member who didn't love coasters. And they said, well, oh, all these amazing people that I got to be around inspired me to get out and ride a coaster. So when I was regional rep, I loved organizing events and figuring out how to help people connect, break down the barrier of fear of joining a conversation how to open up conversations. Um, that's a big, been a big piece for me. And so that's definitely continued through my volunteering. I became the communications director for ACE after I was the regional rep for the Mid-Atlantic. And I just continued that in that um, small group experiences and thinking about how different people look at things differently and remembering that just because I saw it one way, somebody else might not see it the same way. And so making sure that we were developing a club that was accessible to all, that was welcoming to all, and truly trying to give everybody else that same experience that I had. If this was a place that I got to be the genuine me, no holds barred, no anything. It is full on Elizabeth, that there's no, um, there's no judgment that I could just be me. And I'll tell you what you said really resonates well with something I've said so many times that I didn't realize until I became more a part of the community and got involved with the podcast. When I'm out in amusement parks and through the messages I receive from people, I just continue to be shocked and humbled at the same time by people that recognize me in the parks, people that want to talk with me, people that want to stop and take a photo and just talk about, you know, the impact that we're having on their life. And 
it's that quote that I heard a long time ago that really resonates with me. To the world, you may only be one person, but to one person, you may be the world. And realizing the impact that we're able to have on even just one person just really motivates me to keep wanting to do more because it's the little things that we don't realize that are making a huge difference. And that's exactly right. That's the key piece right there. It's those smallest details, slowing down and making sure the details are there. It's not just about putting together an event. It's about being intentional and hosting them and making sure you're facilitating a great event for them to get the most out of it because you could come to the park any day. What makes it special to come to an ACE event is that it's fellow ACERs, making sure you talk to them and spend the day with them. Yes. Now, also, I know over 16 years with ACE, I'm sure there's been a lot of work <laughs> to be done, as I'm sure there's a lot of work still to do. It's what keeps us going. Over the past 16 years, as a volunteer with ACE, what do you feel has been your greatest contribution to American Coaster Enthusiasts? And why do you think that's been your greatest contribution? I think my greatest contribution has been my tendency to disrupt. Tell me more about that. I love people that go against the grain. I like to encourage people to rethink and to ask why. One part of my life that's really always been important to me is being intentional and making a true choice, not just letting the choice be whatever happens. I like to make an intentional choice of what's right for me. And I like to bring that same to my leadership and ACE. And so even as a regional rep, I like to disrupt. I think of the very first time when I moved to the Mid-Atlantic, I was already starting my disrupt because when I lived in Ohio, ACE had been such a vital part of my life. And it was truly helping me become who I was as an adult. I was a young adult when I moved there straight out of college. And I was finding who I was and how to build friendships. And when that was taken away from me, when I moved to the Atlantic, cause it wasn't very active here, I started my disrupting immediately of what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Can I do a newsletter? Can I organize an event? What can I do? Because I don't like the way this is. And that's really how I come at most of what I get for ACE is I feel like something in me is missing. Is that just me or is it other people? And now as president, I have the fortunate of being able to reach out to all of our members and listen to them and get to have that gauge of that scale of, are we meeting their needs? And can we even do a better job at it? Do I need to disrupt? Again, do we need to reassess? Is what we're doing producing the results we want to with the time we're giving? And I definitely um, ruffle some feathers and I make people uncomfortable. Um, but ironically, one of my kind of personal slogans is if I'm not making people uncomfortable, I'm not doing something right. I said that so many times, particularly, I know I shared with you earlier about my fitness journey is the comfort zone is a thing of the past. 
and that really applies to all areas of life, not just with my fitness, with my teaching, with coasters, with everything, thrill-seeking. If you're comfortable, you need to do a little bit more. Exactly. There's so much potential that's being lost. And for me, potential is where I thrive. When mm -hmm. I see something, I go for it. I'm a goal-oriented person. So that makes yes. my tendency to disrupt even stronger. But I look at it's my responsibility to ensure that ACE is still there for my kids and for my grandkids, that I have to build a strong infrastructure and a resilient Absolutely. organization. And if I see opportunity to build a stronger, I have to take that. And that does mean sometimes making other people uncomfortable and doing things that's outside my comfort zone, because I don't always have the skill set to do the things that I see we need to do. So I have to find the people and reach out and dig and find the treasures of those leaders who have those skills that can support that. You know, and nobody ever changed the world by being like everybody else for sure. And, you know, staying comfortable, eventually you're going to hit a dead end. Exactly. And, um, getting out of that, getting out of that comfort zone, constantly raising the bar always leads to opportunities to do better. Now, speaking of opportunities for doing better, this next question, I find it very appropriate that we're actually having this interview during Pride Month. I know it's not going to air until November. But one of the things that's really been highlighted about ACE that I've seen over social media over the past year or so, and you can educate me on exactly when this started, is ACE's Safe Space Initiative. Please educate our audience on ACE's Safe Space Initiative and what that's about. We rolled Safe Space out about two years ago. And the idea of Safe Space is that everyone's opinion is welcome. You might not all agree, but your opinions are welcome. And it's not a space to judge others or not accept their opinion. It's really about, okay, I hear you and I appreciate that's what makes you you. I might not agree with you, but let's go ride a coaster. Thank you. <laughs> and let's have fun together. There's no reason that we don't have to debate our politics. We don't have to debate it. No. Leave it out and just go have fun together and respect that that's what makes that person who they are. And that said, I want ACE to be a place that everybody feels like they can just be their genuine self, respect each other and have fun together. And so we have been really focusing on ensuring that we are spreading the word of respectful opinions and launching our discord server was the first step in our safe space initiative. And we did comment it with strict rules actually of respecting opinions and it's well moderated. And our moderators were screened to ensure that they were ready to have those uncomfortable conversations again of, hey, that's not respecting that person's opinion. If that's their favorite coaster, that's okay. It doesn't yeah. matter what your favorite coaster is. As long as it's their favorite coaster and they had fun riding it, maybe they haven't gotten to ride as many as you. Maybe they've only been to their home park, like was my case up until I was 21. And just respect that whatever your favorite coaster is, it's your favorite. It doesn't matter. And teaching people how to have those respectful conversations. 
I'm so glad that there's an organization that supports this because I've said this many times individually, you know, as with the number of people I've interviewed on this podcast, oh my goodness, favorite coasters, likes and dislikes. It's all subjective. It comes down to the individual person. What somebody else loves might be something I hate. What I love might be something somebody else hates. So let's have a conversation about it. What do you love about what I hate and vice versa? It's entertaining. I mean, nothing can pass time in a long queue line faster. Yes. You know, a conversation like that. But what really turns me off, and I don't get angry easily, but it, it will upset me, is if I hear people making fun of people, like belittling them because of their opinions on coasters. And I'm like, you know, really? Coasters are a part of my life. I love coasters, but they're not my whole life. And if you love, if you're, if you love co coasters more than you love people, you need to go get a different hobby. <laughs> That's a great point, Kim, because this is something we do together. Whether we know people in the park or we don't, we're around other people. And there were some people that laughed at me. And I'm like, yeah, laugh because it's true. It was really true. Last year on the way to CoasterCon 44, the two host regions, Western Great Lakes and Western Pennsylvania, had organized a kiddie coaster caravan to stop at small parks like Sluggers and Putters and some of those mm -hmm. parks have one kitty coaster, Memphis Kitty Park, all those. I do that. I chase credits. Right? Well, that was actually, you know, we were at these two incredible parks of Kittywood and Cedar Point. And I did. Mm -hmm. I had so much fun throughout the week. But my favorite part of the entire week was stopping with um, my two of my kids were with my husband and I. And they'd each brought a friend. And they really thought I was the lunatic, but I'm like, hey, we got to stop at this apple orchard and we're going to ride this kitty coaster. And then we had slushies and it was just, it's where we yes. stopped to slow down and made memories. And that was mm -hmm. actually my favorite part of con. And it was four kitty coasters. Yes. That's um, on all of my road trips. There's always credit chasing involved of <laughs> some sort. And some of the most fun memories are these little rinky dink places yes. that just <laughs> I don't know it's not it's not for everybody but it just it creates a I don't know like a youthful joy in my heart yes. and an I'll adventure. take those opportunities to capture that as often as I can and that's me I always when I'm traveling I always look for what odd little stops we can make along the road and where can we make some fun, weird memories? And that's yes, it. I just weird. Like weird. That's it. The, the weird memories. Those are the ones that stick. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> now we've talked a lot about volunteering for ACE, what it's meant to you and the different opportunities that are available. If someone is interested in becoming an ACE volunteer, what is the process for going about that? So they would go on our website under membership and submit their volunteer survey. And what this does is it starts our process. It lets us get to know a little bit about you and where your interest lies. And from there, our volunteer onboarding team reaches out to have a conversation, literally a Zoom conversation, so that we can talk face-to-face -face and find where your passion is. Because we are a 100% volunteer organization, 
Oh, I'm reminded that the only pay we get is the passion and whether, and that passion comes from fueling ourselves of feeling like we give back, but it's also just watching the difference we make in all of our members' lives. And so that conversation helps facilitate and find the right role. And we talk about how much time they have to give because our volunteer roles can go from five minutes a day, 20 minutes a month or a role like mine that is all consuming. And I'm so grateful and love every minute I get to give to ACE. But we find out how much time they have to give. Do they want to learn a new skill or do they want to use a skill they already have? Because for instance, young folks that want to volunteer might be looking to get into a career in website development or in communications and marketing. And if that's the case, we want to mentor them and bring them onto the committee and let them start learning. If they want to write press releases for their career, we want to help them join the team and learn about writing better press releases. And so that's an important piece for me is that we're finding the right volunteer spot. After they go through the conversation with our onboarding team, they're referred to the various committees to talk to the committee um, coordinators and make sure it still sounds like a good fit. If it's not a good fit, then they come back and we circle back and make some more introductions. If it is, they go onto the committee and get started giving their time for ACE. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing the details of that opportunity with our audience members. Please go to the website and reach out because I'm sure ACE is always looking for volunteers. We the are. more, the merrier. It and is we have a, so many ideas of things we want to implement that we just need people with passion for those areas to jump on and help us with that. We see there's so much potential. And a lot of times our new volunteers have ideas as well. And, you know, that's one of the things too, that I love, not just about, you know, being involved in the community, but about my job is the opportunity that is always there to learn from other people. Just like, you know, you think you've met as many people as you're going to meet. There's not going to be any more. Oh, I've already learned everything. There's no more knowledge to be found. And then boom, here comes this fresh new person with ideas never before tapped into. So please don't hesitate. If you think you've got something to share in any way, shape or form with American Coaster Enthusiasts, jump on board. I'm sure they'd love to have you. Absolutely. All are welcome. Now, this next question, I want to explain the context of it before I ask it, just so it doesn't catch you off guard. We had last year, there was a young man by the name of Dusty. He was 16 years old. He was interviewed before I joined the podcast during the first season he was also affiliated with Coaster Kids, and he was a close personal friend of David's. He unexpectedly passed away at the age of 16. So when that happened, one of the things we as a podcast team, you know, really thought about was what can we do to help his legacy continue? Because he was a very big fan of the podcast as well. And so we decided to add in the Dusty question to our platform of questions. And the Dusty question is this. Looking at your life and your legacy, 
you know, as a mom, as an enthusiast, as an ACE volunteer in your career, you know, in all roles of your life, how would you like to be remembered by family, friends, and colleagues? Wow. For me, it's remembering to truly live your life, not just take the path that's easiest, live it. And I want people to remember that I encourage them to do it and that I hope that they feel like I assisted them in doing that. If they needed help for how to stay on that path or support, I want them to remember I was there for them as a good friend. And that's probably one of my things I want to be most remembered for is being a good friend, a good listening ear. All right. And, you know, that's one of the things that took me many years to figure out was don't wait for the perfect moment to live your life. Don't wait for the perfect moment to live your best life. Exactly. Live time it is now. Yep. Because if you keep waiting, the perfect time is never going to be there. There's exactly. always going to be, oh, well, I need money for this or I need more time for that. Well, fact of the matter is, when my life's over, time's going to be, time's going to be out. Time's over. And the money, money's not going to go with me. So <laughs> there were, there's a will, there's a way to make it happen. May not always be the path of least resistance, but the way I've seen it is things always work out. And if you keep waiting for the perfect time, it's never going to happen. So just, just do it. And every risk I've taken so far has had a much bigger reward that outweighed the risk. So... Just do it. Live your life. Live your life out loud and live it with passion. I agree with you wholeheartedly, and same is true for me. That when I've done those crazy things that were so out of the box or took a risk, they paid off. One I mm -hmm. think about often, actually. Um, well, my friends and my family know me for here it comes. She's got a crazy idea, and they'll see the look <laughs> on my face, and I'm like, I got this idea. <laughs> And they're like, oh, we don't know. Oh, we're boy, ready. get we're ready. But they do. They always end up paying off. I mean, I did it to my family. We were had. I didn't want to go camping. We were supposed to go camping. It was raining. I'm like, let's go to Cedar Point. Now, we live in Virginia. So this is not a small trip. But I'm like, let's go because it's not just a rain there. And so we go to Cedar Point and we had a ball. And but we finished up early on the second day. And I went, I have an idea. <laughs> on the way home, let's go to Conant Lake. We've never been there. And now that's our one and only visit to ride the blue streak. But the one that really stands out for me actually is what got me through COVID. Um, I had been in Chicago for an ACE executive committee meeting and we wrap up at five o'clock on Saturday and we meet again at eight 30 the next morning. So there's some time in there, but there's not a lot of time. And I had plotted this crazy idea that I was going to go to Indiana beach. Now, again, it's not right around the corner, right? This is a two and a half hour drive from where we were meeting. And when the meeting wraps up, 
earlier in the day, I said, y'all, I'm really thinking about going to Indiana Beach. And they were like, oh, we're in. And so we fill the car full. All my crazy friends, they're like, oh, yeah, we're, we're in. Let's go. So we take off at the end of the meeting. We drive the two and a half hours to Indiana Beach. We get there. We have so much fun. Now, granted, we only had like an hour and a half in the park before it's going to close. I mean, we didn't have much time at all, but it was Halloween and we got to do the mazes and we got to ride coasters. I'd never been to Indiana Beach. And I it was like, what are you thinking? And I'm like, but when am I ever going to be closer than two and a half hours to Indiana Beach? It's hard Easy to opportunity. Now or never. I, took, I took it. And I thought about that trip and the fun I had in it. That night, not only did I get the great experience at Indiana Beach, but I made some tighter friendships with people. I mm -hmm. actually really didn't know. Before I joined the executive committee, some of the people that I now call my closest friends, I actually met them when I joined the executive committee five years ago and have done some of these crazy trips with them. And we've made our friendships so solid and built so much trust that it literally carried me through COVID. That was my last big coaster trip before the pandemic. And I thought about that trip almost every day. And I looked at the pictures and remembered that they were on board with me for my crazy trip. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad we got to share those memories together. And they're still treasures in my life. And they're still on board for my crazy ideas. But if I hadn't taken that, I literally would have had to live with that regret throughout the whole pandemic. And I don't know what that would have done in my mental health. But I had that to hold on to. It was literally like my regret grasping the restraint of the coaster it was what i held on to to keep me on the straight and narrow i needed so much of that during the pandemic my weight loss journey started actually in august of 2019 right before the pandemic started and i'm a teacher i was stuck sitting behind a computer at home teaching virtually for a year and a half and i'm like how am I ever going to lose this weight like this? You know, literally sitting in one spot all day long. And then by the time I was done staring at a screen all day, wanting to just go to sleep or eat. I mean, it was just mentally exhausting. And at one point, I actually put 30 pounds back on before I finally found the motivation I started getting out into parks. I mean, I found, I didn't care if I had to wear a mask. I didn't care what I had to do. I am getting out of this house. I don't care if it's 90 degrees. I will find some way to keep the thing on my face. If they say I have to wear it, I'll, I'll drink water, whatever I have to do. But yeah, it's that stuff. It's, it's in your head. Like, what exactly are you trying to do? I know you shared with me earlier your love of Millennium Force. Fitting on Millennium Force was what started my weight loss for me because I knew I couldn't fit. So that for me was the dangling carrot. Through COVID, was you're going to go to Cedar Point, remember? You're going to go to Cedar Point. And you're not going to go to Cedar Point and sit on a bench and watch other people do this. You're going to be doing it with them. You know, that was the whole dangling carrot for me so I, I totally get I mean we were grasping straws wherever we could however we could through that entire experience and had I not had those little straws of hope you know to, to remember what I'd already done 
and look forward to what I was going to get to do. Even though it was delayed, I knew at some point it was going to happen. I don't know that I could have ever gotten myself out of that, you know, downward spiral and back on track to finish what I started. Now, a lot of our listeners listen to our podcast, you know, for a variety of reasons. Some listen to it because they love hearing about coasters. They like hearing about amusement parks, different people's experiences. But a lot of people also listen for advice. One of the things that shocked me after my family's interview, before I even joined the podcast, were people that were messaging me and reaching out to me for advice on weight loss, you know, and how to get healthy, what keeps you motivated, and that sort of thing. What type of advice would you like to offer for those that are listening regarding coasters, can be amusement parks, or life in general? Do what uplifts you. Do what makes you feel good and where you feel like you're living your best life. Don't worry about the supposed tos. That's something that I struggle with a lot in my life was the what everybody else thought I should do, what was supposed to be. I wasn't supposed to be out riding coasters. I was supposed to be doing something else. Everybody has an opinion, but it's my life. And so I tell people, remember, it's your life and you're the one that has to sit down at night and feel good about how you spent your hours that day and the impact that you make and what you're remembered for. So don't be remembered for you did what everybody else wanted you to do. Do you? Absolutely. 1,010% do you because I felt like I didn't really start living. It took me over 40 years to really let go of what other people expect and do what I want to do. And unfortunately, you know, if they have a big problem with that, you've had to be let go along the way. <laughs> and it's all been for the better because I, I just feel, I feel free. I feel happy. And when I'm like that, I'm my absolute best for everyone around me. Exactly. And you're a better person for them. It ends up everybody's happier, but it's really hard to let that go, particularly if there's someone who's really close to you that has a strong feeling of what you're supposed to be doing, whether it's your parents mm -hmm. or whoever. And it's funny you talk about letting them go where I realized in my journey that it was time for me to let these supposed to's go. I was trying to make everybody else happy by living up to their expectations yes. rather than living what made me happy. And I felt like I was just in a constant fight. And I'm like, why am I in a fight with this? And I read a book called The Energy Bus by John Gordon. And he talks about pushing the energy vampires off your bus. And that mm -hmm. gave me permission internally to let that go. And just, you know, they're my vampires. I don't want them on my bus. But who do I want on my bus? And intentionally choosing who was riding my bus with me and moving forward. Because those energy vampires were holding my bus back. And, you know, that's actually a book we were provided to read at work a number of years ago because there can be those energy vampires at work too. And in a, school, in a school setting, that can be just absolutely toxic and detrimental 
to the students and the teachers. If you get all of that, you know, the negativity and you're feeding off of that. And it took me a while to realize, you know what? This is applicable outside of the classroom too. <laughs> across, across the board. You really get out of life what you focus your attention on. So focus on focus your attention on what makes you the absolute best you that you can be. Keep it there and just let the best times happen because they're still yet to come. Last but not least, the last question we like to ask all of our guests is regarding social media. If our listeners would like to reach out to you and make contact, learn more about you, reach out for advice or get information about ACE, where are they able to find you on social media? So best place to find me is on Instagram. That's my favorite platform. And you get the homey, all the mom moments, the my kids sports, my coaster adventures. It's the all Elizabeth all the time on there. I'm coaster gal, um, coaster without an E, ironically, since I'm Elizabeth and <laughs> underscore gal. So follow me on there, message me, but you can also always drop me an email. I am E-R-I-N-G-A-S at aceonline.org and love to connect questions about ACE, questions about anything I shared on here. I try to be an open book because I've learned a lot and I want to keep passing that on. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me and being my guest on the podcast this evening. I've thoroughly enjoyed hearing your story and I've learned so much a plethora of information about ACE and a highlight of the conversation for me. I thought I knew what the safe space initiative was about. And it was about so much more than what I realized. So thank you for opening my eyes to all that that encompasses. I've really enjoyed this conversation and hope that we can meet up at the end of the month when I comes down, when I come down to King's dominion. Thanks again. I really enjoyed this as well. I appreciate the opportunity to be me. <laughs> and share who I am. Well, thanks again. I've the op, the pleasure's been all mine. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me on here. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you want to see more of us, we upload every Friday. Be sure to like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, all at Coaster Challenge. Links are in the description below. Thanks for joining us here today.